I appreciate Brent and Bud being with us last week. This week, we're back with our friend Micah. So we're going to be back with our friend Micah today. We're in Micah chapter 5. That is on page 778. If you're using one of those blue Bibles, if you have an iPhone or some other device with you and you happen to have the Bible app on it, you can follow along with my sermon text there as well. Micah is not one of the better known books of the Bible. He's, he's not one of the more famous books of the Bible. Micah is often overshadowed by his big city counterpart, Isaiah. We tend to go to Isaiah before we go to Micah, although their messages are happening at the same time and they're very, very similar. Micah is from the little town, little town of Morasheth, and sometimes little towns get overlooked for the big cities, don't they? Micah experienced that. I think you've probably experienced that too. There are a few verses in Micah, though, that you are familiar with, and some of them you even sing about those verses. In fact, I don't think there's any way that you and I can get through this passage today without thinking about one particular song. So with the help of Donna and Shirley, uh, let's get this out of the way. We're going to sing together the first verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem. town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. It feels a little out of season, doesn't it? I was going to say it felt a little out of time, but that would be me, not you two, if it's out of time at all. But it does feel a little out of season. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Christmas was 71 days ago. 71 days ago was Christmas, and it's now getting warmer, it's sunnier, it's getting, it feels a little bit more like spring, although Friday, Friday tried to remind us that, that winter is still a very real presence here. And here we are singing about Bethlehem, singing about Jesus' birth. It's, it feels like we're looking backwards when we do that. But when Micah wrote this passage, he was looking forward, wasn't he? He was looking forward to Jesus' birth, to, uh, to God's promise, but also to a very present need that he had in his world to, to rescue his people, God's people, from a world that had gone so far astray from his will and from his heart. Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth and then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand 
and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. We sang those words earlier, O little town of Bethlehem. But the song that Micah is singing is, O big messy city of Jerusalem. Micah's song doesn't begin with the little town. It begins in the big city. Verse 1, now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Daughter of troops, that is, that is Jerusalem. Jerusalem, a city born for war. A city bred for battle. But the Assyrians, led by Sennacherib, the Assyrians are, Assyrians are out there and they've already taken the northern kingdom. They have taken the northern kingdom of Israel. They are marching towards Judah. They are marching towards Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, that little daughter of troops, it doesn't stand a chance against the Assyrians. Verse 1 goes on, Siege is laid against us, and with a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. You know, when you strike on the cheek, that's not about destruction. That's about humiliation. And Jerusalem is about to be humiliated by the Assyrians. They are going to be overwhelmed this is going to get ugly. My guess is overwhelmed is a word you're familiar with. <laughs> you've, you've felt overwhelmed before. You've been there. You've faced challenges in your life that you just weren't ready for those challenges when they came along. Something within you says, I've got to fight. Something within you says, I've got to fight. I've got to survive this. But there's not enough fight in you. And so you struggle, but you seem to get nowhere. You... You would ask for help, but that feels humiliating in itself, like a, like a slap in the face. That's, that's what Jerusalem is facing. And maybe that's some of us also. We want to look tough. We want to be strong. But deep down, we realize that if there is any hope in our lives, it does not come from our own strength. It doesn't come from what we can do. So where do we look? How do we survive? And if that was the question for big, messy Jerusalem, what about poor little Morasheth? That little town of Morasheth, Micah's hometown, about 20 miles southwest of Jerusalem, this little town of Morasheth, barely a crossroads or a T in the road uh, there, a, a little town populated by farmers, a little town that trusted Jerusalem to, to, to help it, Jerusalem to protect them, Jerusalem to save them, but again, this is, this is not Jerusalem from David's day. You know, Jerusalem uh, that was powerful in David's day. Jerusalem that was a force to be reckoned with. This is Jerusalem divided in their loyalty, fallen away from God. Jerusalem where the leaders of the people were abusing them, abusing the people, abusing their power. And while Jerusalem was going to be humiliated by the Assyrians, what about the little places? What about poor little Morasheth? That's the problem that Micah is addressing for his people. This singular source of strength that they've always trusted in, that singular source of strength is going to fail them. In fact, Jerusalem has already failed them. They've failed them in their lack of faithfulness to God, and now judgment is coming. And so the question might have been, if if the source of my strength, if Jerusalem has failed, what about us? 
Has God failed us? Has God abandoned us? Or is there still hope? Is there maybe a hope that we just can't see yet? We haven't looked in the right spot for that hope. You see, that's not just a question for little Micah and little Morasheth. That's a question for you and me. Where do we find hope when our world seems hopeless? And it's not that you and I have to worry about the Assyrians coming for us. They were taken care of a long time ago. But we recognize that there are troubles in our world that seem to come against us. Troubles that seem to surround us. You're facing health challenges. And you've got financial struggles. And just the day in and day out worries of faith and worries of life. And and sometimes it feels like it is suffocating our faith. And sometimes we say, how do we have hope through these situations? How do we hold on to hope? The goal of the Assyrians, Sennacherib's goal, was to surround Jerusalem with his troops and starve them out to where the people could not come into Jerusalem or leave Jerusalem, eventually they would run out of supplies and they would just starve to death inside the city. That was his goal. Maybe you felt that before in your life. You felt the problems pile up and you think to yourself, if just one more thing hits, can I take it? What am I going to do? You sang those words a few minutes ago. Words about Bethlehem. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. You weren't just singing about Christmas. You were singing about the center of your hope. It's the same hope that Micah sings about in verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. You know, when Joshua was surveying the land of Judah, taking inventory of all the cities of Judah, he counted 150 cities, but he didn't count Bethlehem. You know why? It was too small. There was no point in counting Bethlehem. There weren't enough people there. And so Bethlehem is not even on the map. Bethlehem is not even considered. It's too small. It's not worth counting. But but Bethlehem counted to God. And Bethlehem counted to the people of Bethlehem. The people there knew that they mattered even if their world didn't. There's a tension there. I think it's a tension that we feel inside ourselves because sometimes we feel very small. And yet our pains and our problems and our griefs and our anxieties, they they feel so big. And yet no one seems to notice. No one seems to notice that we're, that we're hurting. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Oh, little hurt feelings of Brett. Oh, little anxiety. Oh, little grief. Oh, little whatever you're carrying today. And it's fine to sing that the hopes and fears of all your years are met in, are met in Bethlehem, but what about your hopes? What about right here? What about your hopes? What about your fears? Your hopes and your fears are met in this promise that God addresses your hurt so that you can know His peace. Verse 2 continues, From you shall come forth for Me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from of ancient days. From of old. That's an interesting little phrase because it's only used three times in the Old Testament. It's only used three times in the Bible. From of old. 
And every time it's used, it's used to re refer to God, to refer to Yahweh from of old, long before the Assyrians had surrounded them. God was there. Long before you're hurt, long before that hopeless feeling came along, God was there. He was ready for you, ready to meet your hopes and your fears with the presence and the love of His Son. Micah's hope could not be Jerusalem. And you and I can run the risk of misplacing our hopes also, but the timeless reminder of this passage from Micah, the timeless reminder for you and me is that with Jesus as your peace, your hope is secure. Micah's hope for his community, his hope for his people points them ahead to Jesus. Verse 3, Therefore he shall give them up <clears throat> until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Here we are again, 71 days since Christmas. By the way, that's only 294 more shopping days until next Christmas if you're getting your list ready. That's all the time you've got. But here we are 71 days from Christmas and you hear that phrase there until the time when she is in labor has given birth and you can't help but think of poor little Mary, right? You think of little Mary riding that donkey into Bethlehem. Poor Mary looking, you know, Joseph's knocking on the doors looking for a room, but there's no room at the end. Where is she going to have this baby? Because she is great with child. That's, that's just natural that you hear that. But Micah has something Something bigger in mind. The culmination of the promise that God was making to His nation. That's what Micah has in mind. His nation has been, has been broken. His nation has been split in two. You see, it's not just that the Assyrians are out there coming against them. It's that they have been at war against themselves. And Micah is envisioning for his people not just a birth, but a healing. He is envisioning peace for His people. And peace takes time. Peace takes time. That's why Micah uses the imagery of birth. You get that. You've been there. You, trust me, when you find out that your daughter is pregnant with your first grandchild, the question you ask is, when? And, and then you start asking, well, how much longer? I know you told me when, but it seems like this has taken a very long time. It's enough to make even the, even the most wonderful pawpaw kind of anxious when you stop and think about these things. We get impatient. These things take time. Peace takes time. It doesn't come all at once. Peace takes time. But you know, I think something happens while you are waiting for peace to show up. Something happens while you wait for peace. You become more and more aware of the presence of Jesus in that moment. You become more and more aware of the presence of Jesus within you and you long for Him. And in that longing for Jesus, you begin to see more and more of His peace. You hear that longing again in, in verse 4. Listen to the promises of verse 4. And He shall stand 
and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. You hear those promises again and again. He shall. They shall. Those are promises. These things are true. He shall. He shall what? He shall stand. It's the posture of a ruler. It is strong. It is confident. It is firm. It is established. And he shall what? He shall shepherd his people. You've heard that before. In fact, we've heard that before in Micah. But when you hear he shall shepherd his people, you can't help but go to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the result is, he says, they shall dwell secure and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He shall. They shall. Those are future perfect tense, Nancy. Those are future perfect tense. It acknowledges the reality that not everything today in the present, not everything is perfect. Today there is pain. Today there are times when when you're going to hurt. But the peace that He promises is growing within you. The peace that He promises is growing within God's people. It's the same promise that Paul was communicating to his friends in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, when Paul says, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul's anguish of childbirth Mike is very present danger. The hurts that you and I feel just, just because of life and the challenges we face, these are expressions of our desire for Jesus and that one day those pains will bow to His presence because when Jesus is your peace, your hope is secure. That's why Micah wraps up his promise for Bethlehem with words that point us to Jesus. And in verse 5, he tells us, and he shall be their peace. And he shall be their peace. Shall be. Again, it's future perfect. Because you see, the Assyrians were still out there. And after the Assyrians would come the Babylonians. And then after the Babylonians would come the Persians. And after the Persians would come the Greeks. And then after the Greeks would come the Romans. And then the Romans would... And you know that. You know that in your own life because today the transmission goes out in your car and tomorrow your boss tells you that there's been some cutbacks and they're going to have to let you go. And the next day the doctor calls you up and says, I saw some things on the test that I didn't like and I need you to come in and we need to talk about what we're going to do next. And it's always just one more thing and it seems like it never ends. But he shall be their peace. Don't miss in that promise. Don't miss in that promise. It's not just about peace, but it is about presence. He shall be their peace. Peace is not a treaty. Peace is not a concept. Peace is not simply the absence of trouble. Peace is not everything going perfectly or a life with no pain at all. Peace is a person. He shall be their peace. Peace is the one who is born in Bethlehem. Peace is the God who comes near you. The God who stands 
with you, who stands firm. Peace is the God who shepherds you. Peace is someone you know, and peace is someone who knows you. I think about those poor little farmers in Morasheth. I think about those poor little farmers in that little town of Morasheth. And you know, if it wasn't for Micah, who would have spoken for them? Who would have spoken to them? What, what would they have done if it wasn't for Micah? You know what they would have done? They would have waited for Jerusalem to show up. They would have said, come on, Jerusalem, you can do it. Come on, I know you can overcome this. You can overthrow the Assyrians. <laughs> oh, no, they couldn't. <sighs> they weren't going to be able to do that. They were going to get slapped down. They were going to get creamed. What would they have done without Micah pointing them to the promise pointing them to the little town of Bethlehem, telling them, just, just hold on. The promise is coming. The peace is coming. And wait until you see Him. You're going to love Him. You know, I think about people in our lives who are hurting. I think about people that you know, your friends and relatives, people in your life who are hurting just, just like we're hurting. And I think about how the best thing that we can do for them is help them find peace, to introduce them to our peace, to sit with them when they're hurting, to help them when everything feels, when it all feels lost, to simply show up and show them the love of Jesus and let them know no matter how small they feel, they are not forgotten. They have not been overlooked. Your pain has not gone unnoticed. We see them. We love them. We care about them. And in caring, He is their peace. And He is our peace. And He is all the more present to them because we are present with them. Now, I don't think we can get done with this passage without singing again, ladies. And so we're going to sing the last verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem. O holy child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us. Our Lord Emmanuel. Sounds like Christmas. Sounds a little like Christmas when we sing that. It wouldn't be Christmas without singing that song. At Christmas, Emmanuel is the reason we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, right? But here, after winter, on the verge of spring, getting close. Emmanuel is a prayer that we pray. It is a prayer. God, don't let me go through this pain alone. It is a prayer that says, God, don't let me lose hope. Don't let me go through this without friends, without family, 
without a church to stand with me, a church to shepherd me, a church to comfort me, a church to care for me, without people who will show me what God with us means. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. That's, that's not just Christmas. That's today. That's a promise for today. A promise for you. A promise for your neighbors. A promise for everyone hurting, for everyone feeling the pain that this world has thrown them into. He is our peace. You know, somebody you know and somebody you care about needs to believe that that's true. And so show them that it's true. Prove His presence to them by you being present with them in their pain. Show them the truth that when Jesus is our peace, our hope is secure. We're going to sing here in just a moment. and We'll take the Lord's Supper together. But it is a reminder again that this peace has not come cheap. It's not a piece that was simply written on a piece of paper by some politician who didn't know what they were doing. It was a piece from your Savior who loves you, who gave His life for you, who allowed His body to be broken and His blood to be shed. And this is the price of peace. And as we take today, we take in not just, His, not just Him, not just Christ, but we take in His mission to bring peace to our world, to bring peace to our friends and neighbors, to let them know Emmanuel, God with us. Bring that to them. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We'll take together. And Father, we love those promises of Christmas. We love those songs. And we love those passages. Father, we need ears to hear the, the promises out of season. We need to hear them not just in springtime, but we need to hear that promise of God with us, Emmanuel. We need to hear that in seasons of desperation, in seasons of depression, in seasons when our anxiety is high, in seasons when in seasons of loneliness and brokenness. And so, Father, I thank you for this bread and this cup that remind us that we have not been left alone. And Lord, I thank You for the opportunity that we have to go to our neighbors, to go to our friends, and to love them in such a way that we would know, that they would know Emmanuel is present with them. That God is with them as well. Thank You again for this bread, for this cup. Bless us as we share together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.